Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. Good to see you made it back to another episode, and welcome if you're new. Today's episode is going to be a long one. Some of these stories are going to be new, and some of them may be ones that you've heard before. This is going to be an extra long compilation for those who like these type of things. Anyways, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this channel going. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp and therapy and mental health a lot on this show. And this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For example, some people think you should wait until things are basically to the worst possible point they could be. And I used to be somebody like that as well. But that simply just is not true. Therapy is a tool to utilize before things get to the worst point possible, and it can help you avoid those lows. I know there are some stigmas around therapy, and many people think it's for so-called crazy people, but therapy doesn't mean something is wrong with you. It means you recognize that all humans have emotions and we need to learn to control them, not avoid them. So, join me and many others who personally deal with stuff every single day in the swamp. Whether or not it comes down to mental health or you're just going through a hard time in life, BetterHelp Online Therapy is exactly what you need. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy, including myself. Once again, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Dark Swamp listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com swamped. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash swamped. I have always been a massive fan of the horror genre, I avidly listened to ghost stories year-round, but until I moved into this spooky house, I have never had anything paranormal happen to me. I wasn't a believer, and I always assumed I wasn't a sensitive person, which may have been true until I had a body and life-altering experience. Something I won't get into here, but I always believed this changed and helped me become more sensitive, because that's when things started happening. From the first week, I moved into this house, strange and scary things happened. I never had nightmares before. On the contrary, my dreams have always been surprisingly pleasant. That is until a few days of being in this house. A bit of context. I previously described the place as the third house on a dead end road. The road in front of the house had a wide off section into a dirt road that went to the right and then there was a paved road that went to the left. If you went up this driveway, the house would be to your left, with a large yard in between the driveway and the house. To your right is a vast, detached garage, the kind that you could fit a semi-truck in. Getting back to the story, I believe it was the third day I was at the house. My roommate had a large basement room, and my room was upstairs. I'm upstairs in my room sleeping, and I have this dream. Well, it's more like a nightmare. I'm not actually in the action itself. It's more like I'm watching a movie. 
in front of me was this oversized detached garage, and in it is some sort of thing, like a witch or a ghoul of some kind. It had tattered black clothes hanging off of it, a large brimmed dark hat, and it was floating slowly past the front of the garage, with the tips of its toes dragging on the gravel. I don't know how scary that sounds to some people, but besides the image, it was the feeling that I got from this ghoul-like creature that terrified me the most. I felt like there was no hope in the world, and the only thing I could do was lay down and die. Like any average person, I have had my struggles with depression at one point or another, but I never felt this kind of despair. When it got to about the center of the garage, it stopped, and with lightning speed, snapped its head up and looked right at me. I wasn't there in the dream per se, but I felt like this thing knew I was watching. Its face, twisted and distorted, its smile was horrifying. It looked at me with this look in its dark eyes as if it were happy to have a new plaything. That's the moment I woke up screaming. My roommate was lucky to be such a heavy sleeper. I've never had a nightmare like that, let alone one that I woke up screaming to. That was the first nightmare of many more disturbing dreams to come, though. When my dreams didn't have me questioning my sanity, all the noises and things I would see had me challenging myself. There was what I believed to be a residual haunting in the hallway. I always heard someone rushing down the hallway. Three times, my roommate stood in the doorway, talking to me, when I would barely see a tall person step behind him as if they were walking behind him to get into one of the other bedrooms. Each time, I looked at him and said, Who was that? and he would look at me like I was crazy. Then he would search the house and find absolutely nothing. One night, when I was half asleep, I stepped out of my room and flipped on the hallway light to see a few feet down the hallway to the bathroom. There are two switches at each end of the hallway. There are old controls that clack loud when you flip them off and on. When I'm half asleep, I'm the kind of person who hangs their head and can barely keep their eyes open. Seconds after I flip the switch and walk down the hallway, the lights start flashing on and off in the hallway. Just a steady clack, clack, clack. Just off, then on, then off, then on. I assumed being half asleep it was my roommate messing around, so I continued to the bathroom with my head hung and eyes barely open, not bothering to look up and said, Hilarious Mike, go to bed. I went into the bathroom, shut the door, and sat down to pee. Then I started to wake up a bit and realize I didn't hear my roommate giggle the way he did when he would mess with me, nor did I hear him say anything or even walk away. I just heard silence. The light stopped clacking the moment I shut the bathroom door. After I washed my hands a few moments later, I stepped into the living room to look around. No roommate, just silence. Mind you, and this is an old house that's not well insulated. You can hear every slight creak. I asked him the next day, but he denied it. I believed him because usually he liked to laugh about it later, and then he would tease me about it. Another notable thing is that the bedroom I had used to be his grandmother's bedroom. I had never met his grandmother or even seen a picture of her. So this ghoul-like creature, or maybe an army of these creatures, started to taunt me at night. Every time I would be about to fall asleep, there'd be loud bangs on the wall that would wake me up. 
or something would be thrown across my room like a shoe. This creature or creatures were trying to break me by keeping me up for days. I really felt as if I was going to lose my mind. My roommate was not a sensitive person and for some reason did not believe me. I'm not the kind of person who makes up stories, so I assumed he didn't want to believe me because he was scared as well. One night, before I was about to break down in tears from not sleeping because of the noise and the fear, I managed to fall asleep. For how long, I don't know, but I woke up sometime during the night to a scuffling sound. The sound you make when your feet are sliding across the carpet. The first thing I saw when I opened my eyes at the end of my bed was a silhouette of an old lady. The clearest features I could make out were the ends of her silk nightgown down to her slippers. The upper half of her body was kind of shadowed. Normally, if I woke up to someone standing at the end of my bed, I might freak out, but the feeling I got from her was warm. It was like she was talking to me in my head. I didn't hear a different voice, but somehow, I felt like she was saying to me, It's okay, I'm here, just go to sleep now and I felt the sensation I've never felt before. It was as if someone had taken an electric blanket and pulled it over me, very slowly, all the way up to my chin. Somehow, I felt warm and safe, and I did what she said, and I went to sleep. After that night, the noises and the banging didn't keep me up anymore, although strange things did still happen. I didn't care if my roommate would believe me or not. I told him the next day about how the entire week Whatever was in the house refused to let me sleep and was trying to make me go crazy. Luckily, he looked at me more concerned than like I was crazy. Then I described to him the old woman in my room, who I think saved me from the dark entity. I described her silk nightgown and her slippers and how she was short and hunched over slightly. My roommate looked at me with pure astonishment. Then I described how when I woke up, I heard her slippers sliding across a carpet. That's when his eyes almost fell out of his head. He said, you described my grandmother perfectly. She had trouble walking, so she always scuffled her feet across the carpet. Then, he said she died in your room. That fact hit me like a ton of bricks. Small things started to make sense. Like when I was in my room and my cat would be looking at a specific corner near my room. He would be purring and stretching his paw out as if someone were telling him what a good little mitten he was. The way he would be moving his head and reacting... It was as if there was someone there cooing over him. So thank you to my roommate's deceased grandma for helping me regain mental clarity and for being sweet to my little kitten prince. Now back onto a darker note. The last story I will share is on Christmas. Like I said, after the grandmother incident, things were just a little bit less stressful. I don't know what kind of spiritual power his grandmother was or had, but maybe there were possibly other good entities on the property, I'm not entirely sure, but the bad ones were angry that the grandmother had intervened for sure. They made it very clear on Christmas. Why Christmas, you ask? I honestly could not tell you. Maybe it's because of the joy of the season. The season that brings the kind of happiness people feel to be near their loved ones and receive gifts and eat food and all that good stuff. Christmas Eve is when things got bad. First, I was in the kitchen cleaning and cooking when the sink turned on by itself. I'm not the kind of person who thinks everything is a ghost or paranormal. I always try to debunk everything before I say I can't explain it. This old house had a very old well pump system. 
Whenever you turn the water on, you would hear a very distinct click and bump noise that could be heard anywhere in the house. While I was wiping off a counter, I heard that very distinct clicking and bumping noise when I thought to myself, where's their water running? I don't have anything in the washer, and no one else is home. Within a few seconds, it took me to think that I heard the sink next to me turn on full blast all of a sudden. I'll admit, I stood there and stared dumbfounded. Then I definitely let out a few curse words. You get the idea. I slowly walked over to the sink and turned it off. When I asked my roommate how the sink could possibly turn on by itself, he didn't really have an answer. I said maybe I just didn't turn the handle off all the way and it was still building pressure. Maybe that pressure finally built up and released the valve, aka the handle. He said that was impossible. At least with the type of system that it was, it wouldn't be able to do that. There would never be enough pressure. I'm, I'm starting to think about other things as well. And then I finally let it sink in that this was probably a paranormal event. I've never seen an inanimate object animate itself the way that that thing did. I think the sink turning on was just a soft warning for what was to come. This dark entity knew the first time it scared the life out of me when it went into my dreams, so that's what it set out to do again. Christmas Eve, I had the most disturbing dream I have ever had in my life, and it still haunts me to think about because it seemed so real. To this day, I haven't told my roommate about it. For a little bit of context, my roommate has a history of depression. His mother took her own life and his father died from cancer a year after. I won't go too far into it, but he turned to hard drugs for quite some time. He's clean now and doing very well in life, but because of his past, I have always been worried that when he gets depressed, that he might try to take his own life, which is just one of the many reasons why I was afraid to ever mention this dream to him. Obviously, telling him about it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come true. This, this is how much it disturbs me to think about. In this dream, I woke up in my bed in the morning, and for some reason, the first thing I needed to do was speak to my roommate. When I was lying in bed, I could hear what sounded like a rope twisting back and forth. For some reason in my dream, this didn't really make any sense, and I wasn't suspicious about it at first. I got out of bed, walked down the hallway, through the kitchen, and down into the basement. As I was descending the stairs, the sound of the rope got louder and louder until I turned a corner and there was my roommate, hanging from a rafter. The sound of the rope was so loud, I don't know why in the dream I never covered my ears. As I stared at his body slowly turning towards me, I won't go into too much detail but his face looked exactly like a face would if someone had hung themselves. Whatever this thing was, th this dark entity, it, it really wanted to destroy me mentally and emotionally. I think it tapped into my subconscious and it took all the worst things I have experienced or worried about and tried to turn them into nightmares to get back at me because I had almost escaped its grasp. I had a stepfather I was very close with who hung himself and my roommate is one of the last people that I've ever been very close with and he was having his own depression issues and I was worried about him. I think it tried to take these two things and twist them and warp them into a demented way to hurt me mentally because it couldn't get to me physically. I woke up from the dream in a cold sweat shaking and in tears. My first thought was what if this wasn't a dream and he really was down there hanging. As I got out of bed, I knew I didn't want to see it, but I had to. I was shaking uncontrollably as I walked down the hallway. For some context, 
You can see the driveway area where we parked the cars behind the house through the kitchen window. So, as I walked down the hallway, I hoped so badly his car would be gone, which meant he would be over at his brother's house on Christmas Day. As I poked my head around the corner, I saw his car was gone and I felt an unbelievable amount of relief. That's when I texted him Merry Christmas just to be sure, and he replied with the same. We don't live in the house anymore, thankfully. His younger brother took over the house and started to remodel it, and I honestly found it kind of funny. The way that they laughed at my stories and called me crazy and said I wanted attention. Now his wife is so terrified to be in the house that she practically lives at her mother's house, all the while pretending as if there's nothing going on in the house. We were in the house very briefly before we moved when his brother started to remodel, and this is when my roommate started to believe me. We were in the basement sharing a large room, a week before we moved out and we thought his brother had left for the evening because it was about 10pm. My roommate and his brother had to work early in the morning. Before he had left, he was doing a demo in the bathroom with a sledgehammer to remodel. After we thought he had left, when the banging started, it sounded exactly as if he were still up there with a sledgehammer. Then we heard running loudly down the hallway. We both assumed he had just brought one of his kids with him. My roommate angrily went upstairs to tell him to go home for the night. He came back down looking shocked, seeing nobody up there. That's when I laughed and I said, Trust me, there's plenty up there. When I was eight or nine, I saw something weird on Christmas Eve. Many, many years ago but I still remember it like yesterday. I still believed in Santa Claus then, as many children do, and I had the usual anxiety and excitement for Santa to leave Christmas presents by the tree. After I went to bed, I had some trouble sleeping with holiday nerves and such. I had finally drifted off when I woke up to soft footsteps somewhere in my room. I automatically assumed it was Santa Claus, and I was scared to see him for fear that he might leave or his magic would fail. I barely opened one eye and saw this black figure standing over my bed, staring at me. It was tall, probably around six foot or so, and it was completely dark. It looked almost blacker than black in a way. I couldn't see any eyes, a mouth, or a nose on it, but I could see the outline of a head, arms, body, and legs. It looked like a big person, so thinking it was Santa... I just tried to close my eyes. It stayed in one spot for maybe 10 or 15 seconds, until it took a few steps closer to me. Then, it leaned in a little bit more. Still a few feet away from me, it probably stayed there for another 10 to 15 seconds. Even though I couldn't see a face, I knew it was looking right at me. You get that weird feeling when you know you're being stared at or watched. So I closed my eyes again and waited for a few moments. When I looked back, I think it was gone. I lived in an old house at the time, so the doors and floorboards were squeaky and loud. I heard the footsteps, but I never heard the door open. I never saw this figure again, though I have had some other spooky experiences in this house. I asked my mom if she had heard Santa when he came into my room last night, and she looked confused for a second. Then she played along and assumed I was playing. I know this wasn't a person, and it was not a dream. I also know that spirits and entities are often attracted to lots of excitement and energy, 
so Christmas would be a perfect time for a ghost to pass through. This happened about four or five years ago, when I was around 15 years old. It was early Christmas morning, and my sister and her boyfriend had just come over. They were in the kitchen, socializing, drinking coffee or tea, maybe snacking on some stocking stuffers. Typical behavior for us to do before opening presents. Before I say exactly what happened to me, I think I should sort of describe the house's general layout so you can get an idea. When you first come in the front door, there is a short hallway going straight before, being met into the kitchen. If you continue through the kitchen in a straight line, you will walk into the dining room, and then, when you take a left, there's some stairs in the living room. Note, the dining room was mostly empty as we had the dining table inside the kitchen, so we set up the tree and presents in the dining room instead of the living room. Anyways... I was patiently waiting to start opening gifts, so I pulled up a chair next to the tree and sat there for a while with my back turned to the kitchen. While my family was behind me talking and stuff, I was just sitting there, and suddenly, I heard what can only be described as a demon or a devil voice whisper in my left ear. I described it as such because I don't know how else to describe it. I don't think it was the devil himself whispering in my ear, but it also sounded incredibly demonic if that gives you a better understanding of what it sounded like. Imagine what its voice sounded like if you've ever played video games, watched movies, or something like that where a devil or a demon character speaks. It was a typical, intense, bass voice with a hint of distortion or slight lisp. I don't know. It just sounded like gibberish to me. It lasted about three solid seconds. It gave me goosebumps at first, but only because I was startled. After that... It was directly in my ear as if I was listening to some ASMR. I almost started to giggle and swatted at my ear as I turned around and looked at my family. As I half turned around, they all stopped and looked at me, wondering what I was laughing at. I see all their expressions turn from smiling to questionable, and then to a straight face in a matter of seconds. They said that my whole face turned to pale white when I realized no one was behind me. I shuddered and asked who was behind me playing noises and they said that no one was. I thought of the possibility that it was just a joke or a prank, but I'm confident that it wasn't. The kitchen was about 15 feet behind me, and between the time the noise stopped and I turned around, there's no way someone could have run from me to the kitchen without being noticed. That sort of prank is highly random, and wouldn't have made any sense, at least not for anyone in my family. I know most jokes are based on luck and stuff like that, but it seems so out of the blue that even if someone could pull it off, why? I wasn't acting scared or paranoid about anything paranormal the past few days before then, so it would be extraordinary to think that. Another thing is that no one in my family plays many jokes in general, and if they are, it's mainly just verbal ones, not physical ones. Since I was a kid, I've been a firm believer in the paranormal, spirits, and afterlife. I don't follow any specific religion. I believe that there are good and evil spirits, and that there could be a devil or god, but I try to stay optimistic. My old house used to seem haunted and have strange things happen to everyone who lived there, sometimes unnecessary things. But this happened at our new house as well, and we've lived here since I was around 10. Nothing else like that has ever happened here. I have no idea what it could have been to this very day.
Hey there, Swamp Dweller. I'm going to share a disturbing story I had experienced during Christmas of 2020. A little something about me. I'm a 14-year-old girl and I've always been shy, but my brother makes me scared, and I'm going to tell you why. Let's start the story. During Christmas of 2020, I opened my presents and my dad got me a brand new Samsung phone. I told dad that was too much and that my phone was fine. My dad said, okay, keep the new phone just in case. So I opened my mother's present, and it was a beautiful mint 1960s Raleigh bike in blue. I gave my mom a huge hug, but things took a turn when I opened my brother's gift. I noticed it was long brown hair. So I said, uh, thank you? My brother gave me this evil grin. That's when I realized it was my hair. Goosebumps ran down my spine. A few months later, I was now in high school. The first day, I met a guy who turned out to be my EA. His name was Joey. We went to the classes I was going to be in, math and gym. I walked into the math class and noticed my brother was in the class. He gave me an awful grin, so I looked down because I feared him. So I went to my desk and started doing my work. An hour or so went by, and it was lunchtime. So I was outside and ate my lunch. My EA was standing nearby and these teens walked up to me suddenly. And turned out it was my brother and his friends. Before I got the chance to say anything, my brother shoves me away, takes my iPhone 6. I watch him as he smashes it on the ground, bent the entire phone in half. And at that moment, I froze in fear. He walks up to me, picks me up and throws me onto the ground. My EA ran over to me and breaks up the scene. They asked if I was alright, but I just huddled in a corner crying. I got a new phone shortly after, and everything has been somewhat normal again. I know this story may be a bit mild compared to most, however, this situation has caused me much distress and fear. Thank you for reading. I'll give you any updates about my brother as they come. Now, before I get into the story, you should know that I'm 22 years old, I'm a male, and I live in a large city in the Midwest. I drive for Lyft while putting myself through trade school. I drive for other similar companies as well, but that's beside the point. I have many horror stories from those as well, but I'll tell those another time. It was Christmas Eve 2020. I was out running a lift for a few hours before heading to my mom's house with my new baby and wife. Nothing special going on for the night, just the usual. I get a ride request. It was a pickup from this kind of lower income apartment complex. No big deal. I arrive and I find my passenger. He has all of his belongings, several boxes of stuff. Now my car is a 2006 Chevy Impala, so it's not that big. We get all of his stuff loaded up barely, and are on our way. During the ride, he's crying, saying his girlfriend was cheating on him, and he had walked in on them earlier that night. He couldn't stay there because her name was on the lease, so I was taking him to a hotel. Now, in my city, we have a street that is well known for having vices. Hookers, drugs, gangs, weapons, and shady motels. The works. We get to the motel, and he asks me to wait for him to check in and get his key. No problem, man, I say. I'll confess, I break the rules a little when it comes to lift. I have a gun hidden in a concealed holster secured to the underside of my driver's seat for protection. Reason being, driving lift and other contract apps, 
I've had knives and guns pulled on me, as well as people having tried to fight me, rob me, and all kinds of other things. But like I said, another time. This motel was on that street I mentioned before. Homeless people were everywhere. There was a dude on the far corner of the complex that still had a needle in his arm, passed out against the building. And I'm a big fan of true crime and horror narration, so I'm on edge. He gets his key, and the whole motel is ground level. So to help the guy out, I drive to his door. As I mentioned before, he had a lot of stuff. So, I started to help him unload his stuff. While on my second trip getting his stuff, I saw a guy come out of a room just to the south of my car, followed by two ladies. They came up to the room I was next to, not my passenger. One of the ladies pounded on the door, then opened it. That's when I saw the guy raise a shotgun up out of his long coat and storm into the room. The two ladies followed him, slamming the door behind them. Following, I heard a lot of yelling and shouting. I was just waiting for shots to ring out. Out of nowhere, my passenger comes up behind me. I can take this man. Go ahead and take off. Have a Merry Christmas. And he gave me a cash tip. I didn't even notice he took the boxes out of my hands and slid a $5 bill in my pocket. I was honestly just frozen in fear for a moment. I knew what may have been going on in that room. I had to leave or at least get to where I could get my gun. I know the guy and both ladies saw me, and I knew, they knew, I saw the gun. I had to get out of there as quickly as possible. No witnesses mentality, you know? I got in my car and sped away quickly. I got a block away and called the cops. I gave them every detail. After I got off the phone with the police, I signed out of Lyft. I hadn't made much money anyway, but I was done. I got a call later that night. The cops investigated. They never found the gunman or the woman. Nobody ever answered the door that they knocked on, and the occupants of the room they went into said nothing had ever happened. But whatever. It was the fall of 2009, and at the time I was 16 years old. I lived in the central part of North Carolina. Nowadays, the cities are loaded with things to do for the Halloween season, but back then, the best form of entertainment I could come up with was to visit the Devil's Tramping Grounds with a few friends. The Devil's Tramping Ground is a local legend. It sits right outside Siler City, North Carolina, about an hour away from where I live. And I have just gotten my license, so why not? For those of you unfamiliar with the locale or its legend, the Devil's Tramping Ground is a perfect, circular spot of dead soil in the middle of the woods, deep in the mountains. Despite the greenery around it, nothing grows in that circle. The legend says that if you drop or leave anything in that circle, it is moved and or disappears by morning, as the Devil supposedly comes here to plot his evil doings against humanity late at night, pacing in a circle as he thinks. That's the gist of it, basically. Siler City is a sticks and barns town with long, barren roads that seemingly translate to don't stop until you get the hell out of here. It was on one such road where I began to feel uneasy. Rural roads always have that heavy twilight zone energy, and the road we were on, conveniently titled Devil's Tramping Ground Road, was completely lacking streetlights. The only thing illuminating the overworked asphalt was the fading yellow headlights of my 2002 Mercury Cougar, 
and the useless glow of a crescent moon. In those dim lights, we began to see splattered graffiti on the road leading up to the location. Creepy things I didn't expect, but never really would have understood the impact of until I saw them. In white paint, the road was decorated in crude warnings. The one that I remember the most was, The Devil Lives Here, and a huge white cross in front of the opening in the forest. I parked on the side of the road. The grounds was immediately not as creepy as I expected. It wasn't too deep into the woods. In fact, the clearing could be made out from the road. Not as menacing as I had imagined. Maybe it was the empty beer cans or red Solo cups lying all around. Obviously people partied here. Or maybe it was the jokes my friends and I started making almost immediately that calmed my nerves. But it was two-something in the morning. We decided to catch Lucifer right on his hour. And I remember feeling less on edge than I was on the road. My flashlight would get eaten through the trees if I moved it upwards, so I focused the beam on the soil. Truly, more interested in finding signs of the paranormal than my friends were. It was four of us total. Two of my friends went back to the car after a while. It was cold and there was not much to see. I stayed back with a buddy of mine. I brought a Ziploc with me, along with a pocket Bible, a rosary in my pocket just in case, and a stuffed rabbit that one of my best friends had given me. Before leaving... I scooped up some dirt and added it to the Ziploc. I found the prospect of dead soil so interesting and figured that maybe studying it under proper light compared to the other soil around will give me a better idea of what happened here. Alien radiation? Climate change? Sulfur? Maybe the devil was just busy that night. In between jokes and complaining about the cold, we heard someone walking in the depth of the woods. This wasn't a mistaken sound. This wasn't a, I think someone is walking in the woods, this was a definite sound and a definite feeling. This was deep behind the brush between the trees, and these footsteps were heavy and unashamed of being heard. This is the first time I noticed no crickets were in these woods. There was no sound other than us. And these steps. I was even more unwilling to lift my little flashlight, which was tucked under my armpit and pointed towards the soil sample. My eyes didn't need adjusting, and so we stood there as I made out the shape of something in these woods. It was dark, but I could see it fairly well. It was tall, but not distinguishingly tall. It was human-shaped. It stood on two feet, and it walked and walked, and then, suddenly it stopped. But then it would repeat itself by walking and walking and then abruptly stopping. I think this thing was slowly making its way towards us. We were petrified. Neither my friend nor I moved. I don't even think we breathed for a second. I was so overcome with fear that I felt numb, but a little tremble ran through my entire body. We just stared. Later we would discuss how we both wondered if this thing had seen us and talk about how we didn't want to move in case it hadn't. At this future time, we would also discuss the smell. It was an awful putrid scent, like burning feces and rotting eggs and rotten meat. I grew up Catholic, hence the Bible and Rosary, and have always been told that that smell means the devil is around. That didn't help my case then. Even typing this now, I'm slightly trembling. The thing is that it stayed toying with us among the sticks in the forest. I say sticks because at the time, there was very little greenery. I was certain at this point that it saw me. I had that sixth sense feeling I was being stared right back at, and suddenly... I had an overwhelming fear, this unbearable despair. I realized 
then and there, that my friend had been clutching the back collar of my shirt. I think I was so paralyzed with fear that I had ceased to feel anything but that numbness. I wasn't even cold anymore, but when I felt my friend's hand, I dropped everything in my arms and just hauled ass back to the car. Not necessarily running, but very hurried. I was sure my friend was behind me, but between us and in all honesty, I didn't even think about it at the time. I was just ready to go. I was so ready to go, in fact, that I missed the clear path completely and took off in between the trees and brush, heading towards the yellow glow of the headlights. It wasn't an incredibly long trek, like I said before. The road was right there, but it felt awful and long to me. And it was enough for those tiny branches to leave scrapes and even some cuts on my hands, cheeks, and neck. The whole ordeal couldn't have lasted too long. When I got back to my car, the keys were already in the ignition, and the other two friends were in there with the heat on. They both asked me what happened. The friend who stayed behind with me got in the passenger seat soon after and we took off. Our other friends, the ones who had been in the car, pointed out that our eyes were swollen and bright red. I think we had been crying, or at least it looked like we had been. I looked in the rearview mirror and my pupils were abnormally dilated. My eyelids were puffy and tender, and red. Keep in mind, this could all have some form of logical explanation. Maybe the fear made us cry without us knowing, and maybe the darkness combined with our nervous reaction enlarged our pupils. But it was still very odd. I realized long after that I left my Bible, my stuffed rabbit, and my Ziploc bag in the dirt circle. I considered going back the next day in broad daylight, but I haven't been back there since. I still wonder and worry about who has my stuff. First off, I want to thank you for telling the first story I submitted a few months back. You did a wonderful job, and I'm very grateful you decided to tell it. This next story takes place in the Cascade Mountains of Washington State. I had just came back from my second Iraq deployment, and had been assigned to the USA Air Ambulance Detachment at Fort Drum, New York. Seven months later, our unit was transferred to Yakima Training Center in Yakima, Washington. The constant deployment and change put a great deal of strain on an already weak marriage, resulting in her moving back to live with her folks in New Hampshire. I was depressed about it, and when a four-day weekend came up, I decided to head into the mountains for a little time for myself. The road was rough. Going as soon as I left the highway, I kept driving in my 2000 Ford F-150 until I saw another road about 10 miles away from the highway. This road was overgrown and looked like it hadn't been used for some time. Since my intention was to completely escape away from people for a few days, I took it. The road was hardly wide enough for my truck and went all the way and over a ridge into a quiet field in the middle of the woods. Small steam made its way through the center. I pulled off the road and decided to make a camp. Within a short period of time, a campfire was made and the back of my truck was set up for sleeping. I had an old camper shell and an inflatable mattress with blankets and such. I made a dinner of steak and potatoes and watched the sun disappear below the horizon. It was beautiful out there. No sounds of cars or anything. I felt like I honestly had the whole world to myself. And I felt good for the first time in a long time. A few drinks later of single malt scotch, I decided to go to bed and get some sleep for an early start the next day. I had planned to do some fishing and maybe have a small hike. 
The weather was cool, and the stars and the moon were clear. I fell asleep as soon as my head hit the pillow. A few hours later, though, I was woke up to a growl outside my truck. Heavy footsteps circled around my vehicle, and then I heard a high-pitched scream. I normally, at the sound of being paranoid, carry a handgun while camping, and this time was no different. I reached over and unholstered my Charter Arms Undercover 38 Special and sat with my back to the cab. It was still circling the vehicle, and I managed to glimpse it through the side camper window. A dark and mysterious-looking woman and a short, plump man were staring at my vehicle. They did not look armed, so I decided to go ask them what they wanted. I got out of the truck and looked in the direction I had seen them, but there was nothing. I searched the entire area around the site. Nothing. I got back in the truck and locked the door. It must have been my imagination, I told myself, and a few hours later, I eventually passed out again. I again awoke to the truck rocking and screaming and hollering in the early morning as a person was hitting my camper shell repeatedly and yelling obscenities. I did not want to remain there any longer. I slid through the sliding window in my cab, started the truck, and got the heck out of there. When my headlights came on, I saw a circle of people in robes surrounding me. I threw the truck into reverse and punched it out of there. They jumped out of the way as I barreled into reverse through their circle and took off like a bat out of hell, with them running behind me on foot. Then I got to the main road. I floored it out of there. Unfortunately, a highway patrolman was right there, and I was pulled over. He came to my window, and after I related the story of what happened, he told me that area I was in was home to a religious cult. The road I went up to was supposed to have a no trespassing sign and a chain. I'm happy nothing more sinister happened. Hello, my nickname is Kira, and I'd like to start off by saying I am, as of the time of writing this story, a 15-year-old female. I've not experienced anything unexplained or paranormal, save for this one experience. But before I tell you what happened, there's a few things you need to know. My family lives in a valley in the mountains of northern Idaho, and we lived about 11 miles away from the nearest town. My room, which I shared with my younger sister, was set in the half-basement that had a door leading to the driveway that was below the house. The door was always unlocked due to other people who lived on the property coming and going through it. Another important note is that I slept with the dream tent over my head, and I would cover it with blankets, so it was dark and nice. I did this mostly so I could get away with using my laptop late at night, and to not let my sister catch me. So when I slept in there, it was very dark and sort of hot. Now, on to what happened. I am a deep sleeper. Hardly anything can wake me up, save for pain. However, this night I was woken at 2 or 3 a.m. with a feeling of pure dread. I felt as if I was being watched, even though I was covered by the tent and the blanket I was sleeping under. I felt so afraid that I didn't even want to move. I have never felt fear like that in my entire life. As I lay there for what felt like five minutes, I felt like I was being watched, but by what, I have no clue. It felt almost demonic, though. It felt like whatever was watching me was just a black, evil mass that, it just, I don't know, anytime I made movement, it would get closer. So I lay there, in a rather uncomfortable position for quite a while. I, I knew my sister was in her bed, only a few feet away from me, but that did nothing to comfort me. 
Eventually, the feeling went away, but only slightly. And I got up in the dark room, walked out the door into the even darker half-basement, and to my dad's room. His room had no window, but mine did, and due to mine being against the wall that was stuck out to the hill that the house was on, I didn't really see anything. I just knew he wouldn't believe me if I told him what I saw, though. So, I just told him I couldn't go back to sleep after waking up. So, he played with me, a thing our family does, and I went back to my room. I know this isn't the scariest story out there, but it's my one and only time that I've ever experienced something paranormal. I don't think this had anything to do with sleep paralysis because I could move the entire time. I was just too afraid to, and I don't think whatever was watching me was human because I heard no noise. Only the fan that was in the room, and my own hushed breathing. If anyone has had a similar thing happen, I'd love to know, and if anyone knows what caused me to be scared like that, I'd honestly like to know that as well. I've heard tons of stories on this show about skimwalkers and sleep paralysis and other paranormal things, and I'm not saying it's one of those, I'm just saying that my story seems to be similar. I mountain bike a lot. I'm always outdoors and seem to have quite a bit of odd feelings while biking recently. I guess that's the best way I can explain it. This one time though, I was on a new trail with my closest friend who I trust a lot. Not a very challenging trail. It's maybe around 3.30pm. The trail is filled with rocks, tree roots, uphill and downhill sections and so on. Not the easiest hike on foot. Anyways. We had just come off this downhill section, and my best friend and I stopped to take a quick sip of water and use our trail map to figure out where we were going to go next. The trail was empty. No one was out there aside from us. I had just looked ahead of me and saw no one, and then I turned to see my friend to see him staring ahead of us. I looked to see what he is looking at, and there is a frail, older man with a hiking stick. He has a canvas hat on, and clothes that were too warm to be out on a 75 degree day. He came out of nowhere, and he had no water or anything on him. Considering his age, and the trail is not a very easy one on foot at all, it's very challenging on a bike, he seemed very out of place. But I had just looked ahead of us about 30 seconds prior, and he was not there. And then, he was just 10 feet in front of us when I saw my friend staring at him. He was walking towards us, staring at us, I got a very uneasy feeling as he was coming close. Now granted, I wasn't feeling like he was going to do us harm or anything, but something just wasn't right. As he was passing in between us and our two bikes, he says, It's a nice day, isn't it? And keeps walking. We say yes, it's beautiful out. My friend looks at me, and I can tell he feels the exact same way I do. We both biked with each other for years and have met our fair share of weird people, and people strung out on drugs, on the trails, and whatever else you can imagine. Anyways, my friend says, D Did you see that guy? And I said, Yeah, I saw that guy. We look back as this conversation maybe took 10 seconds, and he was gone. Behind us was an uphill section that we had just descended, full of rocks, roots, and slippery stuff. My friend snaps back at me and says, He's gone, what the hell? We proceed to turn around and bike our way up the hill again, and go around the corner, to another section, just to make sure he didn't deviate from the path. This man was nowhere to be seen. There is no explainable way that this guy could just be gone. The pace he was walking was much too slow, 
and we did not catch up to him on our bikes that traversed this terrain with ease. It still creeps me out to this day. My friend and I talk about it still and refer to it as the ghost on the trail. Never have I been back to that trail. I bike around that area still, though. I will give you a million times as a kid and young adult I felt scared or paranoid playing in the woods. It's a beautiful place and I spent my entire childhood getting lost, not literally out there, by myself or with my friends. As kids we never got too far out there, but you could see the progression of us venturing further and further out as we got older and forts and such being made. This one time, like a thousand times before, my friend and I had just graduated high school. It was our last summer of freedom, and we went to spend the entire summer camping and hiking out there. We decided to try and find a new place to set up camp and walked for what felt like a few miles before we came to a nice clearing. The area was relatively new to both of us. We both got the camp set up and the fire going, and the plan was to wait until nightfall, smoke some weed, and play Monopoly. For the sake of backstory on my friend and me, my buddy is smaller, a real goofy guy, but comes from a family of foresters and always had a deep understanding of all the trees and different plants you come across. He had no fear of going and camping out by himself. If I spent 10,000 hours in the woods, he probably spent 50,000. As for me, I'm a taller, sturdier guy, and as we got older I spent more time worrying about women and sports than the woods. Also, I never had the balls to camp out alone. In fact, older me wouldn't go far out at all when I was alone, because I could never shake the feeling of being watched. Which was probably just paranoia, but still an uneasy feeling. Anyways, camp is set, fire is going, and it's getting lower and needs wood. Sun is down and we're both cutting up and having a good time. My friend is sitting on his little chair he always brought and loading up his makeshift bong. I was crouched breaking some excess limbs off of one of the logs that we had gathered for the fire. Suddenly, this strong breeze cuts through the clearing. I couldn't tell you if it was the suddenness of it or what, but my friend and I both stopped immediately and looked at each other. The breeze went just long enough to flicker our fire down to a small flame. We both sat there completely still in almost total darkness, and neither of us said a word. Across from us, on the other side of the fire, we could hear footsteps. They sounded like somebody was running, and would slow to a walk and then run again, on two legs. By the sound of it, they were pacing back and forth over the same spot. Then it just stopped with a softer crunch on the underbrush. I knew by the sound of it that it had taken a crouch. I was crouched still and knew I was staring right back at it in the dark. My friend grabbed my shoulder and said, Buddy. And when he did, I felt this surge of fear come over me. I could feel it and hear it in him. I had been so fixed on the footsteps and rationalizing what it was that I hadn't even considered being afraid. But this was true fear. It was raw, and it made me feel helpless. I could hear my friend after a while grab some leaves, and he dropped them into the fire, and it sprang to life. We both quickly grabbed more leaves and brush and threw it on the fire. It got some of the sticks and logs going, and neither of us took our eyes off the spot. We didn't move for about an hour. Finally, the leaves crunched, and it slowly walked off in the opposite direction. Whatever it was had sat and crouched and watched us without moving for longer than any animal would. It wasn't until after the footsteps disappeared that I realized the smell had disappeared as well. It smelled like a paper mill, 
spoiled eggs almost. For the rest of the night, besides whispered remarks, neither of us really moved or stopped looking at that spot. Nobody went into the tent, and I had a very short light sleep sleeping on the ground with my head rested on my hands. My friend never went to sleep. In the morning, we packed up and silently walked back home. To this day, we talk about it sometimes. In the seven and eight years since it happened, my forester friend has not camped by himself out there ever since, though. Hey, Swamp Dweller. I'm still waiting on an Alabama horror story video, so I figured I would help out with one of my scary camping encounters. Three buddies of mine and I went camping in the mountains of North Alabama on fall break in 2016. We trekked, I would probably say about a mile or so, maybe a little bit further, up this hill close to my buddy's house. The Appalachian Mountains end in Alabama, so this could be an Appalachian horror story as well. Anyways... We had one more friend who was going to come with us, but he was going to be late. It was nearly pitch black at this point and the four of us were just hanging around the fire, drinking and whatnot. Finally, our fifth friend Will calls and asks us if we're still going to meet him halfway because it was so dark and he wouldn't be able to find us alone in this secluded spot. So, two of my buddies left to go meet him, leaving me and my friend, who I will call CJ for privacy reasons, alone. Everything was fine and we were chatting, when out of nowhere, we hear what sounds like some sort of mighty roar, which, on first impression, sounded like a yeti or something. We were skeptical, but thought nothing of it at first. Not too long after that, we hear a cadence of footsteps all around us. They sounded like human footsteps, I want to say. CJ starts to yell at whatever it could have been. The footsteps suddenly stop, and they were followed by a frightening moan. Not a moan like it was in pain, but an aggressive moan, like a growl, but it wasn't really a growl. Us being drunk and not completely aware of what was happening, we decided to run after whatever it was. I know, this is dumb. The moment we began to run after this thing, we see the silhouette of the creature running off on two feet and dropping down to all fours every other stride, almost like a monkey. But this thing didn't exactly look like a monkey. Seconds later, we got a phone call from our other buddy saying we need to get out of there ASAP. So we book it down the hill, neither of us falling surprisingly, and we make it back to our cars with the rest of our friends. Before we could even relay what we had just encountered, the two friends who left to meet well told us that they were certain something big was following them on the hike down. We do have black bears here, but not too many, and they try to stay away from humans. So... It would be weird if it was a black bear, but not impossible. We all got into our cars and went back to our friend's house who lives nearby and shared our stories. The next day we go out to check out the campsite, and nothing looked at a place other than the fire had rocks on top of it, meaning something put it out. Thank you for sharing this story, Swamp Dweller. I look forward to each night when I listen to your narrations. This story is 100% true, and I'd love to know what others in the swamp may think we encountered. I live in southern Maine out in the sticks. There's an upper part of our garage detached from the house. When I was around 14 years old, during the summer, I'd sleep up there to hide smoking Mary J from my dad. 
Some nights, out here knocking on the door, and this wasn't like branches rubbing up against the structure. These were distinct knocks. I was terrified and I was so young. I didn't know what to do at the time. I knew the door was locked. I wasn't sure about the actual garage door though. I somehow managed to fall asleep and awoke still alive and breathing. But this kept happening randomly throughout the nights. Nothing serious happened. It was just those knocks. They sounded and felt so intentional, like something wanted me to be scared. It would be like, knock, two seconds of silence, another knock, followed by another two seconds of silence, and then another knock. So eventually, the knocking started when I had a friend over. So we were in there and it was the two of us. We had machetes and axes. So we went downstairs and the knocks are still going. As we got to the door, neither of us wanted to open it. So we just sat there and listened. There's a rundown red SUV explorer type vehicle next to the garage. We heard the suspension go down. Like, like a bear sat on it or something. We just both looked at each other like, what the hell? And went back upstairs and just tried to forget about it. I set traps from where I thought it was coming from. The knocks kept happening up until I started staying inside again. I've had nightmares of the place I lived. Of a pale, giant centipede looking creature with long black hair that can walk on water. I was talking with someone on an island in the dream, but I don't remember what was said. But all I know is this creature comes around the bend of the island. I hit it with a shovel, and then I wake up. I apologize if this is too much and kind of confusing. I love your channel and have been watching for a while. It's awesome to watch it grow, and I hope somebody might know what could have been knocking on my door that night. I did see a silhouette of it. It was hard to make out if it was hominid or not. But, I just really would like answers. Hello Swamp People, I am a 34 year old outdoorsman, and I have been for the last 15 years or so. My love for nature and adventure has me spending a lot of my free time solo hiking all over California with my dog Nina. I am a firm believer in the supernatural solely due to my own personal experiences with the unknown. After so many experiences, my curiosity led me to find something I couldn't explain last year. I was solo hiking with my dog about six miles away from the nearest road, right after a full day and night of snow. I reached a peak and discovered an amazing valley. It resembles an ancient lake, with trees in different stages of development littered as far as I could see. It was unusually flat and diverse in plant life for that part of the Tahoe National Forest. Shortly after reaching the peak, I came across a fresh set of tracks. I know tracks very well in California. These were not made by any documented animal. They were about 16 inches long and 6 inches wide, and sunk into the ground about 5 times deeper than my own tracks. It had pads like dogs in the front, but there were no claw marks like you might see from a bear. The tracks seemed to transition as they went on, and this animal thing was dragging something with it. There was no blood, but there were clear signs that something was being dragged momentarily. Alongside the bizarre unknown tracks were a fresh set of mountain lion tracks as well as another week old cougar track, likely from the same cat. Also, in one of the videos my dog's tracks are alongside them as well, making for a very good reference. My dog is 65 pounds, and her paw prints next to those were like Simba's next to Mufasa's. 
I recorded the tracks in about three different short videos for later examination. Until this day, I have no explanations, and my curiosity grew. That was one year ago. If you're listening or watching this on the YouTube side of things, I will have the videos on screen for you to see. Since then, I have gone to other places and seen them in other cool, bizarre things. However, I still never forgot about those tracks. I was always planning on going back to explore that area when I could find a better access point. I eventually got a kick-ass four-wheel drive SUV and found the perfect route that leads within a mile or so of the valley. Three days ago, in December 2021, I finally went back, and this is what happened. I arrived at the end of a rough one-lane dirt road sometime around noon. There is no cell reception in this area and there were no other people. It's not the easiest place to get to, and it's not the kind of place that will attract your average camper or hiker, since there are no marked trails and it dead ends after about two miles. I was entering from the west side of the bowl-shaped valley. The west and the east sides were the lower edges of the valley, while the north and south were the high steep edges while the north and south were the high steep edges with taller trees and more granite boulders, as always, I brought the loyal canine companion Nina. She is a four-year-old German Shepherd Pitbull mix with much tenacity. Without wasting much time, I grabbed some water and a few choice pieces of equipment and headed into the valley. It was just peaceful and sunny. We were making our way through the dense part of the forest towards the juvenile pine trees, which made a sort of clearing... From there, I could see a lot more around me, so I decided to take a moment and sit and collect myself. Nina was off-leash, running around, sniffing everything as she normally does. After about five minutes of sitting down, I noticed the birds and bugs were no longer making any noise. It was somewhat subtle, because it wasn't terribly noisy to begin with, but I have strong senses. I considered getting Nina back on the leash, but decided against it. I watched her for clues and got a red flag. She seemed to be looking around like she knew something was close. Then, she picked up the scent of an animal that was recently there and started following it at a fast walking speed. I knew she was on it. I started to follow her while calling her to see if I can get her back on the leash. I knew that since we didn't hear anything leaving as I crunched my way loudly through the forest, there was a good chance that whatever it was was there waiting quietly. Then, I think she saw it because she took off after at full speed up the south side of the valley. The trees were too dense to see what she was after. In my mind, it could have been anything, but I was thinking a deer, maybe mountain lion. Truthfully, I didn't care what it was, I just wanted to go after my dog. So I ran off in her direction. After a few moments, I would stop and listen. Every time I would stop, I would hear nothing. I knew she had to be far at this point. So... Instead of chasing after her aimlessly up the mountain at 5,800 feet of elevation, I decided to call out to her and blow my whistle that I keep in my little survival kit. Still nothing. About eight minutes or so passed since she had took off, but I felt like it was a lot longer. She is like a homing pigeon, so I figured she will come running back to me shortly. So I stood quietly waiting for another two minutes or so. When I heard something large crunching down the mountain in my general direction, fast, I was hoping it was my dog, but the sound of huge branches breaking in a rhythm that resembled a deer extinguished my hopes quickly. I still don't know for sure what it was, but it was moving very fast, and I was hoping my dog would be behind it somewhere following behind. 
I pulled out my 10 millimeter, loaded with 15 220 grain hard cast rounds out of my holster, listened, and waited for a moment before I started jogging to not give away my position. The way this thing sounded as it was jumping left, maybe quarter second gaps of silence, that would give my position away if I was careless. It was running north down the hill, and I was west of its direct path, so I was going to see the profile of it. I waited until it was about 150 feet away. I began running towards this deer noise just before I knew it would be in my field of view. The first thing that caught my eye was something jet black and hairy galloping in perhaps 20 foot leaps. I didn't see any antlers, and its neck was a lot shorter and thicker than a deer's. Its chest was thick and so was its waist. Its legs were a little bit shorter than a deer's as well. I saw this all in an instant and continued forward not having any time to think about it. I was still running at about 50% speed with a hand cannon, looking at this thing blazing through the trees at what I would guess to be about 40 miles per hour. I was starting to make a lot of noise, and I was about 100 feet from it. I looked down for a moment to calculate my next few steps. When I looked back up, it was gone. I am certain it had either seen me or heard me. It could have only gone east. There's no other place it could have went. Probably about three minutes later in the opposite direction I heard a smaller animal running towards me. The sound was familiar and very welcome. It was Nina. I holstered my weapon. She came up to me looking happy but wiped out. I was relieved beyond words that she had found me again, and we slowly made our way back. It wasn't until then that I started realizing just how strange that creature truly was. I kept thinking about the details of it. Once certain in my mind that it was not a deer, I really was at a loss for an explanation. Then I thought back to the forest going quiet, and how it had only hid and did not retreat upon my arrival. That is, until its cover was completely blown. Those are predatory behaviors. It really surprised me to see something with jet black fur like that as well. Even black bears would be much lighter in comparison. And even though it had hair, or fur, it really looked out of place for some reason. The greasy sheen just didn't seem right. I am not certain that the footprints that I saw one year ago are from the same thing that I saw three days ago, so I'm going to go back tomorrow. I want to explore the area more and get a better understanding of what is going on. This time snow will be a factor. The first snow in months is falling heavily right now in that area, but it should be stopping by tomorrow midday. I will likely have my phone on me just in case I see more tracks or anything else worth recording. So. I can get some personal data to help me determine just what I'm dealing with. I'm curious about its intent. I can't let something like that run around if it has bad intentions. Either way, Nina loves the snow and so do I. If I have another encounter, I will be sure to write back. Stay aware and stay safe out there, Swamp Folk. Hey, Swamp Dweller. I'm the guy who commented on your live stream that I heard your personal story from an ex-girlfriend of mine who grew up outside of Asheville. I'm from the dark woods of Pennsylvania, but I met that girl going to UNC Chapel Hill, which is where this story starts. In October of 2015, I was in my freshman year at Chapel Hill, studying economy and playing rugby. I used the econ training to come up with Excel spreadsheets that predicted fantasy football performance. I was able to make what felt like a lot of money being in my freshman year of school, and then a concussion rocked my brain so hard that I couldn't even stare at the screens long enough to update the spreadsheets. 
After a month of missing almost every class, I went back to Pennsylvania on medical leave. To fight depression, I used my fantasy football winnings to take an impulsive trip to the High Peaks region of New York on November 16, 2015. I left an hour after I had the thought to leave. November in North Carolina is much different from November in upstate New York, so before I started hiking, I stopped in an outfitter nearby, called The Mountaineer. At the time, frankly, the man running the store had me a little angry. He politely inquired about my plans, asking if I was in the search party. No, I replied. I'm climbing Dick's Peak. Tomorrow? The owner asked. No, today. And the man looked at me with surprise and concern. And how do you plan to do that? I just looked at the man and said, well, I mean, I'm just going to climb it. Do you even have micro spikes? And from that, I learned that I would find snow and ice as I ascended elevation. I picked up the spikes. The man encouraged me to buy a headlamp, but I assured him that I already had more than one. Before I left, he sincerely asked me not to hike. Sunsets at 4.30, so you better run. You'll be the next one we're searching for. And so, I drove down the road, down to this pond, and began my hike at 9.30am. No one had signed the trail, and it looked like no one had even used it for at least two days. The current day was November 15th. Though, there was no snow at the start of the trail, as I ascended snow quickly accumulated. Without the micro spikes, I couldn't have hiked, because the trails had ice completely over them, after about a mile and a half. I ate my lunch on the summit of Mount Dix at 2.30pm. It was cold, only 20 degrees Fahrenheit, but the ice that hit me was the realization that the sun was getting very low. And, being at the summit, I was only halfway. The last mile of the hike had been extremely difficult rock scrambling, which in this weather was really ice climbing. Snow was over a foot deep, making my crawl downturn damp. At about 3.45pm, I emerged from the rock scramble and decided my best move was to jog, or if the trail allowed it, I would run. Despite the impending night in my isolation, at this time my main concern was what started as an utter silence while I crawled down the icy rocks. Ascending, I heard many birds but my descent was absolutely silent. The moment I started running to beat the sun, I couldn't help but notice the regularity in the branches cracking to my left, even though my feet only hit snow. I felt like I was being watched from the left even though I had never even seen anything. I should have felt the deepening cold. To ease my mind, I decided to stop my jog, suddenly, thinking that a creature running with me would take a few extra steps before it realized I was not moving. Nothing. I did it again. Nothing. I'm crazy, I thought to myself. And then I did it one more time and I heard leaves shuffle in the woods to my left. Now, I ran. I was breathing hard when a river crossing came up ahead. I saw the same ice-covered rocks that I had to jump across to get there, and I hit them at speed. This led to my right leg slipping off a rock and my legs plunging through the ice and into the frozen river. I sprawled out my hands to grab the rock to not get sucked under the ice. It worked. I pulled myself up. The force in my hand smacking the rock had broken my new flashlight almost in half. The cylinder cracked and the water got inside. The wiring. Now, I did not care if anything ran with me in the woods. I threw the contents of my bag until I had searched every nook and cranny for another flashlight. Or my headlamp. I found no headlamp. I couldn't even find my spare handheld flashlight. I had spare wool socks and I changed out of my socks even though it was now 14 degrees. 
My boots were still soaked with water, which made the sock change ineffective. My mind raced, trying to decide if I should make a fire or make a run for my truck. It was still four and a half miles from my truck with no lights, but my iPhone. I brought it out and realized that the cold had taken my battery down to 12%. It worked for less than seven minutes before the cold forced it to shut off, a defect of the older iPhone models. I decided to run, except with no lights. I couldn't move much faster than a walk. At first, the waning sunlight kept my tracks just barely visible. I was soaked from the waist down. I wiggled my toes once they started to go numb and the panic made me move faster. But immediately, following the river that I fell in, was a valley where the moonlight could not penetrate the trees. I believe that about an hour and a half had gone by when I realized that I was constantly getting whipped in the face by branches. The snow was almost up to my thighs. I stopped. There were no tracks in front of me. I was not following the trail. You panic, you die in these situations. That thought was all that kept me calm. I turned around and followed the tracks that had gotten me here, hoping to backtrack to the original trail. Despite the loss of feeling in my feet, I went slow to not lose my trail another time. It worked. I found the trail, but with precious time lost. Despite the gloves on my hands, I began to feel the numbness sink into my hand, and I reasoned that the blood in my body must be rallying to my central organs. In this moment, I realized that I could choose between comfortable thoughts and motivating thoughts. Either uh, I could think of a hug, a warm room, and a campfire, and this would make me feel momentarily okay, or I could think about what I would lose out on by lying down and basically dying. I just kept on thinking about how badly I didn't want to die alone in the woods like this. I came out of the valley and realized my last mile or so downhill was right in front of me. There would be moonlight, but my steps became clumsier because I was having extreme difficulty feeling my feet. So even though I could see a bit from the moonlight, I kept stumbling. At last, I saw the round pond and knew I was a quarter mile from the truck. I wouldn't let anything hold me back now. I felt new strength and could see the trail log when I noticed a black creature on the trail in front of me, just pawing the ground. This thing was maybe three feet long and two feet wide, but very short to the ground. I yelled at it. I cursed at it. I screamed like a man who wasn't going to let himself die 200 feet from his truck. But this thing wouldn't move. It just pawed the ground and the trail was a gully about eight feet high to each side. I couldn't climb that in my state. I threw a stick, and still it didn't move. Now I finally threw a stick that bounced off the creature. Now it growled and stared. It flexed like it could attack. I screamed non-stop. I knew it was a wolverine, and suddenly, he just turned around. He just walked away before he scrambled up the side of the ravine. I eventually walked out. My truck was only 200 feet away. Once in my truck, I warned myself slowly. Over the course of an hour, aware that if I heated myself too quickly, then I'd be more than likely to lose some skin to the frostbite. Even though my phone turned back on, I had no service, so I just sat there, eating Kit Kats, wishing I had bought that headlamp from the Mountaineer. A few years later, I sat down and watched the missing 411 movies, and the first story centers around upstate New York, only an hour from where I went hiking. The man went missing on November 15th, 2015, two days before I went hiking. I think that's why no one had gone hiking to the Dick's Wilderness for two days prior to my hike. I work on a horse farm, and tonight, while I was feeding my horse, I noticed that they were all spooking at something on the other side of the farm. 
and my boyfriend kept saying that there was a person on the other side. I thought he saw a tree that looked like a person until he pointed out where it was, and it looked unnecessarily tall. It was similar to a person, but not quite. And then, as we were looking at it, it started to move. I still thought it was a tree until we got to that side, and the donkeys that were over there because of coyotes were acting scared. Now, they are generally not scared. They're actually incredibly brave, which caught me off guard. Suddenly, I heard something in the woods, and we pointed the headlight over. At that same time, my boyfriend grabbed his shotgun because we both thought that there was a person trespassing. We noticed, then, it sounded like it was running away from us, so I was not too concerned anymore until we saw one on the property the exact next day. It was not a person, and there is no way it was a person. That is not what scared the both of us, though. The part that freaked us out was when I closed the gate and locked it up. Whatever this was, it was out there and started running at me. I immediately ran to the car and got in. When we finally got to the main road, this thing stopped chasing us. When we looked back, it was easily eight feet tall and just standing in the middle of the road. I don't know what I saw, but I do know it was not a person. I do not know if it was a crawler or a skimwalker or anything like that, but I would like to know if they will come and cause issues at the farm. My boyfriend got to the main gate this time to see if it would chase him or if it was just going to chase me. It also chased him and chased their car down the road for a little bit. I should probably mention that he was cussing at it and probably made it very mad. I have listened to some other stories on this show, and I'm pretty sure that what we are dealing with is a crawler. I'm going to try and figure out to try to link some sort of video to the screaming that we caught on camera the other night. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true disturbing horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would absolutely love to see any story you have to share. I'm always looking for new topics to cover and new scary stories to read. If you enjoyed the stories in this episode, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes, and that helps the swamp grow. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give the show a 5-star rating over there, as it really helps me grow there and is super appreciated. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but would still like to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories no matter where you go, you can absolutely download them for free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of doing all of that, maybe check out the merch store. We have t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.